Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, everybody, it's Lloyd Spencer. July is underway in a great month for sports. And if you're into sports betting, Bet Online is where you should go to win money today. With the NBA Finals ending and Major League Baseball heading into the second half of the season, there's plenty of betting action to get involved in. If you're a football better, there are tons of future and props you can wager on as well. BetOnline has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. you got to see the odds where Damian Lillard is headed. It's amazing. Check it all out. Visit the website today and use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head on over to BetOnline and start playing today. It's BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert. And of course, tell them the noise make this century. Popcorn to bring on guests that um, know a lot of things and are experts in their field. But I'm even more excited tonight because uh, this guest, I don't have to pay nothing. Like normally you got to pay for your guests. I don't have to pay for this guest. I have paid considerably for this guest over the years, for at least 30 years. (laughs) I've known this guy for 30 years. He's one of my best friends. He just happens to be one of the best athletic trainers in the game. That just worked out in my favor. And he's free. So there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Danny. <laughs> We're going to talk about this free. All right. You're going to pay. You, don't you, pay. Know, you know I know it ain't free. You know I know you're going to get yeah, okay. me. All right. All right. I know how this works. No, I'm All kidding. Right. Listen, Danny is, is, is an amazing, amazing athletic trainer. 
Uh, he's worked with the Philadelphia Eagles, South Carolina, uh, University of South Carolina with Steve Spurrier, Willie Taggart, your guy, Charlie, over there when he was at Western Kentucky before he got to the, uh, became a Seminole. Uh, he's just got a long resume of amazing success. And so uh, I'm glad to have him here tonight because we have questions and we need answers yes. and we need an expert to be able to give us these answers. So thank you, Danny, for coming through tonight and uh, providing some balance to our conversation tonight. Well, appreciate you having me, man. Charlie, normally I would start with the first question, but I'm going to let you start with the first question tonight, sir, because I know you have a lot of questions. How <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know I got a lot of questions? Well, Charlie, listen. Oh, I, 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 Hold on. I didn't do that much prep there. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me get my other monitor up. I got to start Googling some stuff. <laughs> Charlie got questions. No. His playbook Man. wasn't that thick. <laughs> Lord, you didn't tell me this is going to be a, a certification exam. Now. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going back to my uh, Charlie's Chalk Talk uh, IG Live question. Okay. There's just conversations that we used to have, some good conversations talking about certain things. And my first question is I need a definition of herd immunity because. This has been going on for quite some time because there's two factors of herd immunity that I've heard and seen over the past year and some change leading up to where we are today. Because okay. before the vaccine, before the vaccine, they were talking about natural herd immunity because that's being around people who were who were affected and you get immunity because you were around someone. Now we're in the vaccine immunity phase to where we got to get to a certain percentage of vaccinated people. And so I'm just curious to know what is herd immunity and are they both equally the same or are they different? Okay. You know, that's a very good question. And so herd immunity in and of itself is when your population reaches a vaccinated point of at least 70, 75%. So whether that's natural immunity or whether it's through vaccination, if 70 to 75% of the population gets vaccinated, statistically, that minimizes the chance that the virus has the ability to spread and mutate. So right now we're, we're dealing with the Delta variant. And so uh, with a low vaccination numbers, the Delta variant has the ability to one, spread, and then two, to replicate and then either potentially get worse or sometimes they get weaker and then they'll die off as well. So uh, they're kind of one and the same, whether you reach vaccine, or whether you reach herd immunity through natural resources or through vaccination, the goal is still the same, to have your population with about 70 to 75% um, of immunity. Well, is it, is it possible to combine both of them to have immunity. When you say combine, so let's just yes. say you got, you got yes, you got 40 percent, say forty percent natural immunity in the first phase, and now we vaccinate uh, another sixty percent or whatever the case may be. Now you got a hundred percent of people vaccinated. I mean, hundred percent people with immune in some form or fashion. 
So I don't know yeah. what number we're at. Is it possible to combine those two? Yes. So whether whichever way it occurs, uh, our numbers, our goal is 70 to 75 percent. The problem is, though, is that people it's, it's not like the chicken pox. People that have come down with COVID have caught COVID second and third time. So that tells us there's no immunity against COVID um, in the traditional sense, the natural sense. Um, now, with the vaccine, uh, the way that it delivers, if you get enough people vaccinated quick enough, you minimize the spread of it, and then you minimize the, the uh, rate of reproduction of the virus. So, yes, combined, our goal is 70%, 75%. I think, though, right now, I think the last numbers I heard is we're probably sitting at a nation or somewhere around 40, 45%. So we still have, we still have quite a ways to go if you subscribe to that, that herd 70%. Charlie, what, why is that question so important to you? I'm curious. Well, um, because uh, a team like LSU, mm -hmm. who had the, like the majority of their team at some point in time uh, had some form, whether, whether it was contact tracing or guys actually, you know, had the COVID virus. Uh, and, and, and over half of their, over half of their team had it at one point in time, like whether it was right. during the summer, during the fall, uh, and, you know, whenever all these things happened, they had it at one point in time and they were around them or whomever the case may be. And, if we subscribe to the fact that you you can only get it one or two times, I mean, they got it one or two times, but we're still having the same issues with people who are vaccinated. They're get, they they either had it before, they got vaccinated, and now they're testing positive again, even with symptoms. And so yeah. I'm just curious to know how how do we, you know, when we talk about immunity. Right. And so that that's that's a, actually that's a really good question and a really good point because what we have to understand is that the vaccine's purpose is to minimize severity of the symptoms. It's not to prevent us from getting COVID. All right. So as of right now, we can catch COVID six, seven, eight, nine times. You know whether you're vaccinated or not. The difference is is vaccinated people will have less severe symptoms. And the hope is that they're not uh, hospitalized and in intensive care and, and run up like a million dollars worth of medical bills, you know, that kind of thing. So when we talk about it in the in the confines of sports, you get two or three people on a team that get the severe case of COVID. Who becomes liable for that? Because through NCAA rules and standards, it's a non sports related injury or illness so technically the university isn't liable for that bill so does it fall back on the parents so they aren't they say they aren't liable so what if they get like sick like food poisoning right and so that's that's something out of the realm of or any other kind of virus and right they, yeah and that's the that's the that's that's kind of the gray line because I know that there were times where kids would come in to the training room and, you know, we would cover them because, you know, 
to be honest, in the grand scheme, it was cheap. It was inexpensive. We had physicians come into the training room. You know, a prescription cost us three, four dollars. That was no big deal. You know, but we're talking about COVID, you know, where people are getting, you know, hundreds and thousands of dollars of medical bills and are coming back on the backside of it. Can't work. Their life has changed. You know, that's um, it's on the level of the catastrophic injury in the NFL or uh, in the NCAA. Right. You know, there's a fund set aside for catastrophic injuries. But there, as far as I know, there's no fund for catastrophic illnesses. And so who becomes liable if you're the head coach and you're making it mandatory that the kids come back for summer workouts and some are vaccinated, some are not. And then the kid gets COVID and they say, well, we traced it. He caught it from somebody on the team. Okay. But you made him come to practice. So is that on you, the coach and you, the university, or is that just um, a casualty of being a citizen in a COVID country right now? Right. So then you got to ask who's responsible for it. I think, you know, most universities on the surface will step up and say, you know, hey, we'll, we'll take care of it. We'll help with the medical bills. But now you got three, four, five, six people and they're in there for three, four, five weeks and they've got these severe cases. And now we're talking about we're getting close to a million dollars between the, the four athletes. The university is not going to keep wanting to shell that out. So um, who becomes liable is always my question. Um, you know, with that. So I'm going to ask two questions by asking one question because Kendrick okay. and I both know uh, the young lady that played at the University of Louisville, Asia Doer, mm-hmm. uh, who caught COVID. And has she even come close to getting back to her normal self? Like she's still really battling yeah. through and that, she, right? You can help me with this, but far as I remember, last I heard, you know, she's still having. You know, she still has got a journey ahead of her. She's she's made some progress, but she is in no way, you know, I would argue she's probably 55% of herself, 60% wow. maybe. So she's still got, I think so. I think a lot of hers is still respiratory related issues. So, so as a medical. able to go out because I know she's been able to attend games now because at first, okay. I mean, she was she was in the hospital for the longest. Yeah, I know she she did come to a L game this year, and I think she's been to a couple of her, her team's games, you know, since the WNBA started back up. So I think he's, she's at least able to, you know, get out of the house a little bit. But yeah, yeah. like Danny said, I don't think she's close to being able to play again. So that brings me to the bigger question okay. as a medical professional. Do you like some of the restrictions that are being placed on on college football staffs and the students uh, to get the vaccine, uh, or even the strict protocols that are in place? Are you are you in favor of, it or how do you feel about that? Um. So yeah, so there's there's honestly there's kind of two feelings around this. You know, one I have to be the medical professional, the guy, um, mm-hmm. because the you know if I was still covering a team, the buck kind of stops with me. But then there's kind of the personal opinion, right? Um, I think from the medical side, yes, I think restrictions are necessary. Um, I think it's a lot. Um, at, at one time, you know, we're, they were they're walking around testing people every two days. You know, you're getting tested for something. Um, policies were changing. New information was coming in. Protocols were changing weekly. Um, it, it was it's a lot, and it's really taxing. Because when you talk about the role of the athletic trainer, oftentimes there's probably two full-time staff and a handful of grad students 
covering 150, 200 kids, plus coaches, plus coaches' kids, coaches' wives, uh, administrators out of the athletics department. And you, were, you, you work to death, literally, you know, and these things are changing so much. But when we talk about we're, we're charged and, and the people that I trained under that mentored me always emphasize, you know, we don't care about wins and losses. We care about this student athlete, the health and wellness and, and well-being of the student athlete, hands down. You know, you know that from my days at Western, you know, that's why yeah. I, I ended up fired. But um, so you have to put these policies in place because we have to protect students, right? And one, before there was a vaccine, we didn't know. I mean, we're, we're to be honest, we're putting policies out, guessing, hoping that we're, we can get ahead of this. But we really didn't know what it was going to do. Now that we have a vaccine, um, I, I think it's hard because people feel like there's a vaccine out there. So now it's safe. But the reality is, is that not a lot of people want the vaccine. Right. And I mean, safe, I mean, safe from a standpoint from society It's safe to go out and to start uh, going out to eat and going to restaurants and going to parties and doing all, it's safe in that sense. Right. I don't mean safe in the sense of whether the vaccine itself is safe or not. That's a, that's a different argument. Right. Um, but society feels that it's safe to get going. And so we opened up and now people are moving with, and doing what they want. Vaccination is an afterthought. Right. It's a secondary thought because I can do what I want. It's been a year I was cooped up. I don't have to be cooped up. I can do what I want. And so now the universities are saying, OK, let's let's get back. You know, listen, coach, football coaches are ready. We, we're, we're losing weeks. You know, here we are in July. We, we're losing weeks. Let's get out here, bring the guys back. They have to come back. So then university, do you mandate or do you not mandate vaccinations? Right. So that's the million dollar question. Um, personally, I think, you know, like everything in life as a, as an adult, you just have to make a decision for yourself. You know, and if you choose to get it, you get it and move on. If you don't, you know. You, you don't and you move on and, and just just let it be, you know, um, because it, it's 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 I think this is a target that's never going to leave. Mm. I think I think COVID in some iteration is going to be here just like the flu is. So it's be more like an endemic kind of thing at some point. The, the question about it is how it mutates. Because we got to understand what the difference between a virus and a bacteria, right? Bacteria, something living we can kill. Virus is not a living thing. It can't reproduce on its own. It uses our body to reproduce itself and to spread. And then as our as it encounters person after person after person, it naturally will mutate and turn and change itself somewhat and keep mutating and keep spreading and keep mutating and keep spreading. It's not going to go away, right? SARS, remember SARS a couple of years ago? SARS yeah. is still around. We just don't hear about it and talk about it as much because it's mutated itself to a point where it's low risk. You know what I mean? So I think is COVID, COVID, is COVID like a cousin to SARS or something like that? Aren't they like somewhat related? Yes. So when you talk about viruses and I am not a virologist by no means. Okay, so let me let me throw that out there first and foremost. But um, SARS and this COVID are both COVID viruses, and all a COVID virus is is a virus that originated 
in an animal species mutated enough and jumped to a human host and became viable. So the first case of COVID that I, I remember reading, um, a man in kind of the shame was this, um, the Wuhan district where this Wuhan, was kind of yeah, broke out. He, um, he got, got, um, con came in contact with it, went to the hospital and was diagnosed with this virus, but the virus didn't spread. It wasn't viable enough to spread to another human. As it mutated, it eventually spread to humans. So once it left the animal host and became viable in a human host, we give it a COVID name and thus the numbers after the COVID. So I was joking with Lloyd the other day, if you look on the back of your Lysol cans, it'll say uh, effective against COVID virus. And right. that's why, because it's- so, uh, so, that, so this virus sounds like uh, an act of God, because the only <laughs> thing I've heard go in that type of direction and just mutate the way it's gone, like all, all the different people that we, that's the way God did when he made Adam. So act of God or nature, there's okay. viruses in nature everywhere. Um, great example is your, your, your flu virus. It's no different than this COVID virus, right? It's the same thing. Um, there, there are over, I don't know, a couple hundred different various strands of the flu virus. Right. So every year before they make the vaccine, they go over into China somewhere and they say, OK, what are the three strongest strands right now? And then they take a cultures from those strands, couple, two live, one dead, whatever, mix them up. And that's where the vaccine comes from. And the goal is to get enough people on the vaccine so that the outbreak is minimized. But we never really get rid of the flu. We're never going to get rid of the flu virus. So we're not ever going to get rid of the COVID virus either. So I have this question, Danny, um, because I, you know, at one point, you know, I was a medical sided thinking, all those types of things. And then I went over to the naturopathic side. Mm -hmm. Where are we with these two coming together at some point and at least acknowledging that one is good and the other was good. And it's okay for both of them to have some form of a place. Yeah. Because what, what's, what's starting to happen is just like this vaccine and unvaccine, unvaccinated, uh, or the vaccinated, unvaccinated, I keep hearing, let's just, the governor of uh, Alabama was on television saying that the unvaccinated people are the ones who are spreading this new variant, the Delta variant, and all they need to do is get, get vaccinated. And to me, that is just all about division and trying to bring whatever's the other side into the mix uh, to your side. And we're going to yeah. make all the things that we want, we're going to make all these different roadblocks and make it really, really tough for you to do what I want you to do. But there is some good science on the other side, the naturopathic side, that says it's a, there is a way to get to heal the body or to make sure that if you do catch the virus, you have a plan of action outside of getting a shot. Yeah. 
So uh, there's there's a lot of pieces to that statement, uh, and I'm going to try to hit them all. Uh, but I definitely agree with you in the sense that um, holistic natural medicine and what we call Western medicine um, have to do a better job of integrating and accepting that there are some strengths in both pieces. Um, I, I think as a healthcare provider, I stand on the, the on, on the premise that not all medicine is good medicine. Um, you, you know, if we cured everything, there wouldn't be a business for pharma, right? right. Big pharma. Let's let's just say that. Thanks, 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 for, thanks for saying that. Man. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I'm the reality of the world is that we as consumers don't always know if what we're taking is in the best interest of us or the best interest of the company. And so we we stand on faith that our doctors are giving it to us because it's the best thing for us. Now, with that said, when we talk about holistic medicine and, you know, people will make a claim, you know, again, I'm not deep into it. So my, my example may not be accurate, but you know, somebody says that you can take cinnamon and you can cure ulcers or something, right? Right, right. And so some research out there might say that that's true, but you have to look at the research and see how much of that cinnamon do you have to take for it to become effective, right? So is it one teaspoon or is it, you know, 45 grams? Well, you can't tolerate 45 grams of cinnamon, right? So it's not effective, right? It doesn't have true efficacy. So that's where the argument comes in. And so, yes, the research says, <clears throat> says that there's a holistic treatment, but the dosage is so high and so unrealistic, you can't consume it in the, in the current form. It has, to be cons it has to be formulated differently and then uh, taken. So uh, again, I think, I think for every bad in nature, there's a good alternative, right? It, to me, nature is, is always balanced, right? For every flower that's poisonous, there's a flower that counteracts it. Yeah. What they are, we don't know. I mean, there's still parts of the Amazon jungle that haven't been mapped, but yet every time we, we look up, something new animals come out of the Amazon, some new flowers come out of the Amazon. So we don't know. But I, I think, again, going back to what you said, Charlie, there's a place for all of it. Um, I do personally tell people, you know, look into holistic stuff first, you know, because what we know about pharmacology is that for every medicine prescribed to a patient, what they don't talk about is that it has a morbidity and a mortality rate assigned to it. Okay, mm. so the difference in that morbidity means that you won't die from it, but it could cause serious damage to the body. Mortality right. is it has a chance that taking long enough, it could kill you. Okay, but we don't talk about that because we only look at the short term dosing and uses of it. So, um, again, natural ways, if there's something out there, yes, we need to be better at finding those as well. And Danny, I appreciate you saying that and being so candid with that, because I think at the core of the statement you just made, 
lies a lot of the fears that a lot of people have in doing the vaccine at all. Like, well, what's going to happen long term? Is this one shot going to cause me this? You know, and and sometimes we run too far down the road, and sometimes it's an accurate or not accurate, but it's a fair fear. It's a fair fear to have of that thing. So how would you say for players, and we're going to go back to sports here for a second. Yeah. How do players approach this and get that fair understanding of what the vaccination is so that they don't carry the fear like that? How, how do you find that? Or, you know, or can you find it? Maybe it's a better question. Well, I, I, I say, one, the, really the biggest thing is reading, uh, you know, everybody says, do your research, do your research, do your research. But for topics like this, a lot of people don't know how to research this, right? Right, right, right. Because, it, you know, when, when, when I look at stuff, I say, you know, there's a new uh, technique for ACL repairs or whatever. Right. We go to the research and we look at, you know, is it statistically significant? Right. Well, even if it is statistically significant, is it still effective? Right. Does it drastically change long term outcomes? So you look at peer reviewed articles and not articles by USA Today and, and those kind of things. Right. Peer reviewed articles uh, have to subscribe to the scientific method. The scientific method is created to remove bias and to remove um, emotion. It's a logic structural outline of how this experiment was created. In it, you have to list the number of people you used in your research, uh, how many received the placebo, how many received the treatment, what those outcomes were, your interpretations of the data, what are the implications, what are the limitations of your study, uh, and then areas for further research. You know, we didn't look at this, but that could play a role in this, in the outcomes, right? And you have to look, the, you have to list those so that you or Charlie or Kendra, anybody can come behind you, run that same experiment and see if they get the same answer. And if they don't, then they publish and say, despite what Lloyd said, running his research, we found this, right? And so that's how the process of developing these and bringing these to trial and then bringing them into the human trial kind of carried out. So when, when people start trying to decipher what's true, first and foremost, I, I say, if you're getting your stuff off of any social media platform, you got to stop. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, social media is really emotional media. People, whatever emotional state they in, that's what they're going to tend to share in that moment. So take the emotion out of it. You know, we say logic, but critically think and evaluate and ask questions, right? But ask questions to people you trust, people who don't, they don't have to be experts in the field, but they at least should have some knowledge in the field. And if they don't have the answers, be able to find where to go and read more and interpret the literature to give you an answer, you know? So for an athlete, your, your athletic training staff, your physician, right? Um, the, the dietitian, the nutritionist, the pharmacist, you know, you walk into CVS and be like, hey, you got any articles uh, on COVID and the latest stuff, right? Because they'll have them. They, I mean, if they're into their profession like they should, 
they'll be reading up on what's the latest and what's what research is now coming out and, and whatever. So um, it, it's, it's hard. It's hard because um, I think the way that we interpret data and information is based on experience, our lived experiences, and, and our knowledge of the topic, right? And so an engineer who's into his career and now is trying to look into to medical stuff, he's going to have a, a deficit as far as, uh, I don't want to say he's ignorant, but he, he'll have a knowledge deficit that he just, you know, that's just not his area. And so yeah, instead yeah. of trying to consume that and interpret it himself, he should find somebody who has that knowledge, who speaks that language and can interpret those findings for him. Does that make Charlie, sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I have two questions, but I'm just going to ask, ask one at a time. <laughs> um, what is the risk? Because this is something as I'm always curious to know because I keep hearing these different policies. What is the risk uh, for a vaccinated person that comes in contact with an unvaccinated person when we say the vaccine is is proof that if they try to help us with symptoms or whatever the case may be. So what is the threat of an unvaccinated person to a vaccinated person? Because this is the thing that I think is driving this, this narrative in college and also in the pros to where the unvaccinated have all these different deals that they have to go through. But if you're vaccinated, it's okay to not wear your mask. It's okay to be around other people. It's okay. And it's like, you know, you're saying over here, you're not okay. Like you're like you're taboo if you come around someone who's vaccinated, but we say the vaccination is to help not right. spread it or whatever the case may be. So I need some understanding on you know the unvaccinated around the vaccinated. How does that? Right. Yeah, you know, you know, Charlie. I'm gonna be honest, man. Some of these rules don't make sense. You know, it, it doesn't make sense because the 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 danger of the unvaccinated to a vaccinated is equally the same because even if i'm vaccinated i still can carry the virus and be asymptomatic just like covid i mean just like the flu just like MRSA. you know we talk about MRSA in sports all the time right you can carry it in your nares and be asymptomatic and then sneeze you've passed it to somebody and then they become uh, uh, symptomatic covid is no different so whether i have vaccinated and you're not we're in the room talking for hours and laughing and having a good time and chopping it up. I can give you that virus, but the only difference is the, the severity of symptoms. Now, don't get me wrong. You might get it and, and have minimal symptoms, right? The fear. Yeah, I'll just say there, there are quite a few, not just a few. There are a lot of people who tested positive, and this is in my, in my, uh, my backyard, as well, tested positive, had no symptoms. And there were some who had minimal symptoms, and then there were some yeah. who had, you know, quite a few symptoms. And it kind right. of varied throughout the whole process. And um, and so that's the thing that I'm struggling with is, you know, now we have a vaccine, and now if you're unvaccinated, it's like you're taboo. Like, yeah. I don't want you yeah. hanging around someone who is vaccinated, and I'm still trying to figure that piece out. Like, they're putting all these policies in place for these people who are on the same team, and but they chose not to do it for whatever reason. Yeah. And what if yeah. what if one of the players have their autoimmune? 
Um, right. Now, exactly. And so <clears throat> the medical staff, you know, should, should really be diving into that. So if, if you show up and you say, you know what, Danny, I don't want to get the vaccine. Okay, Charlie, let's sit down. Let's have a conversation. You know, what is your reasoning? You know, well, I have, you know, lupus or lupus runs in my family. And, you know, I, I just don't know that it's smart for us to get it. You know what? That's a very valid concern. Let's document this and I'll talk to coach and whatever. The medical staff should be the people that that become your your defender in that process. Right. Um, I think, you know, going back to what you're saying, you know, minimal, moderate and severe symptoms, you know, these policies honestly are put in place because of fear. We all saw the news, New York City, the, the truckloads of, of dead right. bodies in there, the right. whole night. Like we saw that. We and we know that the country, no disrespect, Kendrick, but the media in the country, it, you know, the it the ratings come because of the negative in society, not the positive, right? And so um the policies are put in place in the at the end of the day is to minimize the number of people dying. It doesn't matter. The policy is not for the people who have minimal symptoms. The policies are not really there for the people who are vaccinated. The policy is for your grandmother, your great aunt, you know, your 10 year old son who can't get the vaccine. It's for the people who have died and died harshly. You know, uh, those people that succumb to the virus, the worst case of the virus, because those are what we saw, you know, but When's the last time you heard somebody talk about someone dying from the flu? It happens, but you don't talk about it, right? I mean, it's mortality. It's a lot. Chicken pox. It happens. We just don't talk about it. And so right now, COVID is just the thing. And so the policies are, I think, to put in place to minimize the fear that came from the death and how quickly death came for a lot of people. Danny, I want to stay there. I want to stay there for a second because that's a great question that Charlie asked. And I have a simple but difficult question to follow up with. So what does it actually mean to spread the virus? If you're vaccinated, you can spread it. If you if you're unvaccinated, you can spread it. So what does it really mean? Like, how do you stop the spread of the virus? So with um was it polio, right? Mm-hmm. They started a worldwide vaccination process of polio. Right. And they got polio to a point where, you know, like 90 some odd percent of the people in the world got polio vaccinations to the point where when the polio virus jumped, it didn't stay viable long enough in a, in a body or a host to mutate, to carry on and live to the point where for a long time, we thought we had killed all polio. Right now, we're starting to see a, a resurgence with you know anti-vaxxers, but um, so that's kind of the same thing. The spread is just that it's spreading it from person to person to person to person, right? And as long as it has a host that it can go in and it can stay and it can replicate and it can reproduce and it can mutate, it'll stay around on a grand scale. But if you minimize, so it. I'm vaccinated as a healthcare professional. I'm almost obligated that I have to be vaccinated. Mm. Right. But Lloyd, if you're not, the virus gets into me and it may only inhabit me for two or three days. 
it gets into you, it might inhabit you for four weeks. In that four weeks, it can mutate, it can replicate, it has spread. You, you see what I'm saying? And so that's mm-hmm. how the vaccine minimizes the spread of the virus um, when you reach herd immunity or greater. Um, and that's why I thought that was important to put out there because I think that's kind of a critical component that I'm, I'm not sure a lot of people understand. And and that's kind of, I think, what's driving teams to say, listen, us getting this vaccination is not necessarily going to stop you from getting it, but it, it could stop a massive spread amounts amongst our team, you know, th- where we're all, listen. you know. So Again, I, listen, oh. I, I was going to say, I, I think too, I, I think, Lloyd, you make a good point, but I think your point is twofold um, mm-hmm. because I think we need to understand that college sports involves young adults. Every person in college is an adult. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it also involves money. So these policies are put in place on surface level to protect the student athlete. See why back is the liability. Right. Some lawyer is sitting back saying, Hey, how many mm-hmm. people get cut down with COVID are you willing to pay for before this university goes bankrupt? Right. Got it. You know, we joke loosely talking about, you know, you gotta have fans in the stand to pay these, you know, Nick Saban's uh salary. But if you're paying, you know, 25 students COVID bills, Nick Saban ain't getting paid. So, you know what I mean? There's twofold to that, that, that equation, yeah. right? And so, That's real. Not, That's real. so every, everything, everything done is not done out of the kindness and goodness of people's hearts. Right. All the time. Right. Right. So, right. so I was going to ask you, and I, and I know it probably puts you in a tough position, but are we having, are we going back to full capacity too soon? You know, um, before Delta took off, I, I would have said no. But the Delta variant is so it, it moves so much faster, right? It's like having, you know, the COVID was like having a four-cylinder engine. And now, you know, this Delta is like having a Dodge Demon. You know, it's just it, and it, it get it moves quicker, it gets in you, and it affects you so much faster, and your decline is so much greater. So with that said, I'm right now, I'm on the fence. Um there's different data and stories coming out about the efficacy of the vaccinations with the Delta. Uh, Pfizer says that theirs is effective. And then Johnson Johnson said theirs was. And then I think last week um, I was walking through somewhere and I heard one of the news stations say that uh, an independent study said that Johnson Johnson is not effective against the Delta. So right now it's still a lot that's up in the air uh, for me to make a decision one way or another for moving too fast. But I think, um, I think that it's going to be a sliding scale. And if the season starts at full capacity, where I don't think we'll get through a full season at full capacity. Wow. Charlie. So how would, how would the, how would the, so how would the fans affect the players? Yeah. Um, again, um, on the surface, you would say they won't. But we know that even after games, there's fans that do come down and interact with the coaches and the players and the staff, the grounds crew, the security people. You know what I mean? Like all the people involved at a you know a Division One football game, that that interweaving can happen like that. Um, the movie well, Contagion that came out well, I, a couple of years ago. That's that's a good movie that kind of gives you an idea of how quickly 
um, a virus can spread. But I wouldn't, if I had to guess, I wouldn't think that they would put the people in jeopardy or the players in jeopardy or even the coaches in jeopardy to interact with any fans or anyone after games outside of potentially family. And that could be where it starts as well. And yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I agree, but you know, we've all been there. We all been on the college level. We know that there's always someone that gets through nothing is a hundred percent. And that's all I'm saying it is I don't get me wrong. I think they'll put up every best effort to keep the, 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 the team and everyone that's associated with the team separate from the public, but it's not always a hundred percent effective, you know, as far as keeping them separated. Well, the scenario that I keep playing in my head, Charlie is it's only going to take one sec game where Alabama is upset by Ole Miss and Ole Miss's fans say, yes, we finally got over the hump again. And then they storm the field That's while the those players That's are there. Notre Dame Clemson? Yeah, you Notre Dame Clemson Clemson? could be a great example of that. You know, Notre Dame finally pulls off the upset. Yes, we did it. We did it. Now, yeah. you know, they won that game, but now they're forfeiting the next game because there was – Imagine, was, imagine yeah. trying to do the contract tracing on that. Oh, Jesus. All right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I, I know at Spalding we have we all have to download an app on our phone and every day it's called Campus Clear. And every day we come on campus, we have to check in with this app, right? And it's to serve to say, are you having any symptoms? Blah blah blah, yes or no. But it's also their way of contact tracing. And so I think you'll see some schools probably implementing that for game day. Before you come in the gate, you gotta show. For instance, if I hit this app and I show that I have one symptom, the screen is red. If I'm clear, no symptoms, the screen is green. And so that'll be their way to say, okay, how many people were at this game? Which people were at this game? And then, all right, we need to make calls and contact. But again, you know, Williams Bryce is 96,000. I mean, it's almost a whole daggone city, right? So, you know, the, the system is already overloading contract tracing just general population, let alone now a football game in Columbia, South Carolina, and then you got one down in Florida State, and you got one up in Notre Dame. It's 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 going to be a logistic nightmare. Um, but at the same time, you it's hard to justify not having fans in the stand when the country is open back up. Right. So, Danny, yes. I, I, I want to ask this question. You know, we, we got the NC State baseball uh, deal where they got sent home because eight of their players were either tested positive or contact trace. And so that left them kind of shorthanded. And they got sent home from the final four of baseball. Um, if every player, because I've heard this scenario, if every player on NC State's team, if they were vaccinated, would it have made a difference of them staying in the tournament or going home, even if they tested positive. Or they had four guys, like they said, tested positive, and then the other four were vaccinated think, and they didn't test positive. So I think I think if you test positive, you're done. From a medical standpoint, there's no way that I can, in a court of law, justify saying, yes, I knew this kid was positive and I left him around other players. 
or I let him play or That's I let it. him dot, dot, dot. We, when, I, when I teach my students first class, we talk about legal responsibilities, right? Malfeasance, misfeasance, like all of those different things that we can be charged with by ignoring or uh, looking the other way or turning the other cheek, right? So there's a legal mm-hmm. obligation that we have to follow. So as a healthcare professional, if I swab Kendrick and I, he tests positive, that's it. There's no, there's no way arguing it. He could be the best player. I know. I'm sorry. Like, I think what I think, and this is, this is the hardest part of what's about to happen is that fans are going to have to stop arguing from an emotional standpoint because this country runs from a legal standpoint. And so, you know, just like you saying, you know, four were vaccinated, but they did not test positive, but everybody else tests positive. Technically, they tested positive, or not tested positive. They were vaccinated, but they could still be carriers. They could have been one of the kids that passed it on, right? Or they catch it and they're asymptomatic, and then two days later they show up. Spalding University, one of our sports teams, was getting ready to go on a trip, and so the rules stated they had to vaccinate. They had to uh, test by wednesday because they were getting on buses thursday morning so we rushed tests so that they had results and could call the results ahead to the next school results didn't come in they got on the bus they were in transit six hours on the road results came in three of the kids on the team were positive the whole bus had to turn around and come back and forth wow wow you know and so great example you know we we talk about the olympics right now right they isolate for two weeks, they get on the plane, then they isolate for another week and they're tested every day. After three weeks of isolation, you test positive in an isolated community. You know, yeah. I, I ain't called foul, but what I'm saying is that let me let me I'm gonna back that up. We have to understand. And when you when we do these tests, right? It's, it's a NARES test. You put the swab up the nose, right? But every test has a margin of error that we talk about, right? Everything plus or minus three, plus or minus five, plus or minus whatever. I'll be honest, I don't know the margin of error on these tests, right? But they came out pretty quick, so I'm sure it's probably five or six, which means for every ten, five or six might be a false positive or a false negative. Oh, wow. so if you test positive. I immediately would ask for a retest immediately. And if that test came back negative or positive, I'd ask for a third retest, you know, because the person doing it, maybe they didn't go up high enough. Maybe they didn't, they were too low. Every person is different, right? Until you start getting like blood draws where those are a lot more accurate, you're going to have that margin of error. So, you know, it's, I think, and I started off saying this, I think as as fans, you know, they have to start looking at this less from an emotional fan rah-rah state and from a liability standpoint. These decisions that are going to be made are going to be made to minimize legal liabilities on the university. Because, Lloyd, if you're my son and you're playing and you die from COVID and I'm I'm going to file a lawsuit, I'm not going to name the athletic trainer. Right. I might name the head coach. But shit, I'm going for the university. Right, right. 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 That's where the money stops, right? Yeah. So yeah. 
university lawyers, they're, they're paid to do one thing, protect the university. Yeah. And so yeah. conference lawyers protect the conference. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. um, so when we start looking, when we start looking at it from the liability standpoint of like, all right, this rule don't make sense from an emotional standpoint, or from a liability standpoint, it makes perfect sense. Which is why, Charlie, like you said, you have uh, some people that have masks and some people, you know, why is it that unvaccinated people can, you know, don't have to wear a mask? Or no, vaccinated people don't have to wear a mask, but unvaccinated don't. Well, it's because the unvaccinated, if they catch COVID, there's the severity of their symptoms are likely to be 10 times greater. So that's a bigger liability on whoever, on the healthcare sure. system. But, but, companies that, but wouldn't that be their choice? If they're unvaccinated? Yes. Oh, 100%, Charlie, 100%. And I subscribe to the notion that as an adult, you are free to make whatever decision you deem best for you. But you got to live with the consequences, right? Like we teach our kids this all the time. There's consequences to every decision. So, That's Charlie's favorite saying. Yep. Yeah. So when you, you know, so if you get sick and you, you, you get severe uh, complications, you just have to say, you know what? I chose this. Let me fight through this and let me come out on the other side. I, I have no problem with that. I, I don't. I, if a person tells me that they're unvaccinated, okay. Do you prefer? Do you want me to wear a mask? Because see, I'm vaccinated, but my son is not, and so I'm conscious of that. When me and him go out, I have him put on the mask. But you know, when I'm out, okay, they back up. You know, I teach my classes from the front. If we interact, we have to put on face shields and stuff if we're closed. You know, you take those precautions. But each person is responsible for making their own decision. And no one should belittle the other person just because of the decision that they made. That's their right. choice, their decision. You know? I want to add this to the conversation real quick, Charlie. I know you got one more question. I told you Charlie had some questions. Oh, <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. So should players, I like this is coming from the chat. So should players have to wear a mask on the sidelines in your, in your medical opinion? Should they have to? Have to is the, is the way it was phrased. I'm going by the way it was phrased. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. again, that's that's a, a double-edged sword because yeah. on the sidelines they wear a mask, but when they go to the locker room, they don't have on a mask. Right? Right? Halftime, yeah. we go in, coaches talking to everybody. say, all right, everybody up, everybody up, everybody up, right? And we all gather in the middle of the room for coaches' last words, and ain't nobody got on a mask, or some do, some don't. It's one of those things where – I think at that point it's optics, right? Yeah. Charlie, you play, so you know you out on the field, you run it, you run a go route, and it's time to come back to the sideline. You you're not gonna put on no mask. Man, right. you don't get that thing out of my face. I ain't even catch my breath. Right. You know, you don't bring me anything, bring me that oxygen tank real quick. That's about the only mask I want to see right now. Well, you know what's funny about what you just right, said? Right, right, right. They're gonna be using oxygen masks to get their wind. So how do you you can't do masks and oxygen masks too? This, yeah, yeah. They'll, 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 they can spray that down real quick and sanitize okay. it. So, yeah. um, well, listen. What, what but, was the other question? But, so, so you know, should you wear a mask on the sideline? Yeah, I mean, you see in the NBA what they do is they they stagger the seats and whatever else. Yeah, and yeah. Guys that aren't going to have on mask, and I mean, the guys that are wearing the mask are the practice guys. Right, right. it ain't the it ain't the top That's six. It ain't the top six or seven, right? Right. Those so, guys won't play anyway. <laughs> right. You know, I, I don't know how much benefit it, it serves when you talk about 
as a team, we're going to fly on a plane together. We're going to be on buses together. We're going to be in locker room together. We're at the hotel together. I don't know how much more it serves in that atmosphere. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, yeah. like we've got masks on because right before we hit the field, hey, hey, you guys, if you stand around, make sure you got your mask on. Oh, yeah, that's right, coach. Okay. But outside of that, when we had practice, ain't nobody got a mask on. And you're not wearing a mask when you're actually in the game. Right, right. <laughs> when you're interacting with people who have not been around. When the, hey, when you're at the bottom of that pile, there's a lot of sweat and heavy breathing going on before everybody <laughs> gets off you. Hey, that 300-pound guy, he, he going to use you for a little extra weight to get up. Like, I mean, <laughs> and that was always my argument with sports is that, you know, like, for instance, last year when this all broke, I was still working at a high school, and uh, they stopped doing jump balls. Okay, yeah, hold on. didn't do jump balls this year. Ball, but you got to rebound. You got to block right. out. Right. <laughs> yeah, they, they did that this year. Some of these rules don't make sense. That doesn't you know, make some, any sense at all. Some non-athlete said, well, mm-hmm. we shouldn't do a jump ball. Rebound <laughs> is more intense than a damn jump ball. Chill out. Right. <laughs> you know? right. so, and in basketball, right? You can't shake hands after the game. But we can bribe right. each other in the post. You got to handle the ball out to each other. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We knew each other's face for 48 right. minutes, but now we, now we can't do it no more. And yeah. so I don't know if y'all know this, but, like, at every dead ball or timeout, we had to switch balls. Yeah. They would throw in a new ball and then clean that ball. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know where you are, right? It's to show that we're making an effort to minimize transmission. Wow. So I, I definitely gonna understand it. And um, yeah. truly, this is my last question. Hopefully, it, it before we before we finish. But I do appreciate your time, Dan, and all the information. It's been very helpful. Um, we talk about the vaccine, unvaccinated, uh, vaccinated, and unvaccinated uh, a lot. But this is the thing that bothers me the most is when we're talking about whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, I very rarely hear anyone talk about building your immune system to help support anything that comes in can help to uh, eliminate any virus or any symptoms, high symptoms. And all we hear about is Get the vaccine, get the vaccine, get the vaccine. If you're unvaccinated, this is the risk. This is the risk. This is the risk. But we very rarely hear about what we can do to minimize it from once the virus hits. Now what? How can we help minimize it from that standpoint? Even if you have a vaccine or you're unvaccinated, or if you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, we still have our immune system has to play some part of the healing process when it comes to illness and that's in anything yeah that's 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 everything so can you give me some give me some give me something to say where we're getting this information and not all i've been hearing is get the shot get the shot get the shot and you'll be okay well if you get the shot and you still eating wrong and you're not exercising, and you're doing all these things to break your immune system down, then yes, the shot is just like what we take the pill to cure whatever it is that we're trying to cure. We want to cure, but it's only 
a Band-Aid in my sense is only a Band-Aid to whatever the issue is. Yeah. What are your thoughts? No, I mean, I, th I think you're 100% you're right in the sense that, you know, true health comes from within, right? Like, you, you think about as humans, we're part of the ecosystem of nature, right? And so animals have viruses that they succumb to, but they also live through, right? So as people, viruses have come, some will die, some will live. That's, that's, that's just evolution, right? That's the world, that's how it works. But we as people have become industrialized. And so, but we consume, whether we realize it or not, is really the poison in our body. And so, um, yes, good diet, exercise, healthy habits can minimize a lot. Um, I, I don't know if, the, if it has a huge effect on, you know, this COVID virus or not. I don't know. But I know that through just evolution, some people will get it and die and some people will get it and move on. That, that's just, you know, that's nature. That's how nature works, right? Nature will keep itself balanced, whether it's humans, whether it's lions, whether it's elephants, you leave it alone, it'll keep itself balanced. Um, but I think that we, as a, as a country, do a terrible job at identifying and educating the, the role and the importance of good nutrition in everyday living. We talk about, you know, my dad just died from cancer a month ago, but he ate like trash, just bless his soul. He ate like trash and he smoked, you know. Um, we put a whole lot of emphasis on soul food, but that soul food is not good food for our soul, right? Um, and so when we talk about trying to live and be as healthy as we can, we have to first look at what we put in. You know, if you got a diesel engine, you don't put unleaded gasoline in it. It, it right. will blow it up, right? And so that's kind of where we're at. And so I would take it a step further, Charlie, and even say, when we, for those who look and try to eat healthy and do all of the right things, we also have to look at our food. Our food is not nutrient dense anymore. We have over farmed the land to the point that they say an apple's got, you know, six grams of protein and 48 grams of good fiber and whatever. But the reality is, is it probably doesn't anymore. You know, those numbers were based off of the forties and fifties over farming has changed the way our food, um, the nutrition value of our food. And so even for those who try to eat healthy, they're probably not getting everything they need. And so I am a proponent of supplementation, a, a good, a good one a day vitamin to balance out what you're not getting. Um, but again, there's a caveat to that too much of anything is, is bad as well. Um, but yeah, so I, I think, I think we have to do a better job. So when we bring it back to the confines of sports and, 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 and college and teams, you know, your big, big schools, South Carolina, Florida, Georgia, you know, LSU, Alabama, they have nutritionists, two or three on staff. They they coordinate the meals and they make sure that there's fresh fruit, fresh vegetable options in this, you know. But you know, Charlie, dinner is probably five or six o'clock. <laughs> An athlete, he hungry again at eight thirty and probably again at ten thirty. 
Right. And so the only option left is Taco Bell, McDonald's, or whatever, right? And so you kind of yeah. eat what's available, you know? Well, the, the frugal the frugal guys who are trying to save money, they're taking food from the training table. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> my first week go. in South Carolina. I'm just saying, man. Yeah. yeah. My first week in South Carolina, I walked by one of the guys. And he had an old uh, 86 big body Caprice, right? Square body Caprice. And uh, I was walking by. I was like, man, what you got in that trunk? And I walked up to it. He had at least 100 Gatorades in the trunk <laughs> of the car. He said he would just wow. take extra Gatorades to throw in the trunk. So when he was thirsty at night, he'd bring some up and put it in his refrigerator. I'm like, dude, we have a, you know, you have unlimited Gatorades. You don't have to hoard them in the trunk of your car. <laughs> you're right, you know. These guys, they they felt like that they needed to, you know, got to stock up just in case. Um, well, let me tell you. So me, you know, I know you're a trainer. I'm I'm gonna give you give you a tip to to help you with the Gatorade, the electrolytes. It's called tamarind. Yeah, so you got to get on that. Get them on that tamarind tea. Tamarind tea. T a m i r. I think it's tamarind. T a m a r i n d. Okay, I have to check it out. Yeah, check um, it out. I mean, you can spruce it up as much as you want. I put some um, cinnamon in mine, some cinnamon sticks, mm -hmm. and uh, some agave to sweeten it up. Stevia leaves. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the of the of the Gatorades and, and those um, because for all that they're touting to do, um, I as I've gotten older, I think the negatives outweigh the positives. You know, you talk about the different dyes: yellow, five, red, whatever. Those yeah. dyes are not good for us. Um, the the sheer amount of sugar, especially in the form of high fructose corn uh, syrup. The sheer amount of that, and it's touted as such a as a healthy option that kids think drinking Gatorade is better than just drinking water. You know, oh, it's like sure it's know, marketed that way. So what's that? Yeah, it's marketed that way. It's exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so you know, you talk about you know, 10, 11 year olds their whole life they're drinking Gatorade and sugar, and then when they come to college, their bodies don't heal well. You know, they don't recover from injuries as well. Nobody's done research to show this correlation, but I'm sure there's something to it, you know. And then when you try to get them on something healthy, they just don't even know how to respond to it because they're like, "This is this is trash," you know. Taste um, yeah, yeah. Just, you know, so, no, I was just gonna it, say, it, I know, I know, you have to be like ridiculously grateful that you transitioned. Uh, when you did, because <laughs> you transitioned a couple of years ago to this program, you're yeah. a professor, and I know you're probably thinking to yourself, "Woo, that's the bullet on that one." <laughs> no, I mean, I I was I was practicing, um, you know, Kendrick. I was over at uh, Providence High School over in Southern Indiana mm -hmm. when you know, started hearing about COVID in November, December, and I was like, and people are asking me, and I'm like, I don't know, I gotta look, and then I got laid off, you know, come March because all sports shut down, right, and so. Thankfully, you know, position at Spalding opened up, and so I was able to transition out. But talking to friends and colleagues and just what they have to do to get teams to even halfway compete for partial seasons, 
I can't imagine what they're going to have to do for full seasons. Oh. You know, oh. it, it's just it, it just it's mind boggling. Like I probably I probably would have, and a lot of athletic trainers have decided to retire or quit because the demand just for COVID is is astronomical. I talked to a football coach at a high-profile school here in Louisville, and he told me last year if he has to go through all this COVID uh, stuff next year, he he might hang it up. He might hang it up. It's it is, and and it's sad. It's unfortunate because some of it is excessive, but some of it is needed. You know, and the question is, to my opinion, the people making decision are not the people that are on the ground every day. Unfortunately, you know, yeah. the, the, the people on the ground every day aren't in the room to input information on the logistics of it. So, but they're looking at it again from the scope of liability. liability. Yeah, right. Right. It all comes right. down to CYA. <laughs> CYA is the most important letter. Yeah, yeah. 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 They, they don't have to be on the ground. I mean, they're looking at it from a different lens than it was. Oh, yeah. Is and you know they're trying to weigh that whole piece out, but when it's all said and done, they're looking at the liability piece before any other thing. It could be crazy all outdoors, but if it has some form of liability at the end of it, they're yeah. like, "Hey, this is what we're going with." Y'all yeah. to deal with yeah. it. Yeah. Well, Danny, I knew you had the answers, brother. I appreciate it. I knew you had the answers. Glad it's a lot. It is a lot. I, and, and we've been and we've been really at this show. We've really tried to kind of help educate the audience as much as we limitedly can. But but yeah. having you here tonight is incredibly valuable. So I know people are going to yeah. watch it. You know they're watching mm -hmm. now or they're watching it on different sites or whatever. And I, I'm sure they're they're going to watch it later because we got a, a, a huge follow-up audience that watches it later yeah. but I, I appreciate you laying it out man because it's everybody wants to know like why is what is yeah. all this and why are coaches and, being fired and why are teams being players and, you know, being transferred and, stuff? And, the, and the reality behind it all is that, is that i want people to understand that whatever i said tonight in four months may be obsolete the way wow. that this virus is moving the way that it's, it's mutating right now, and you got the Delta, there's probably three or four variants that they're watching, but Delta is the, the big one. Delta is like King Kong right now. So again, in four months, we can have another one that jumps up and it changes the scope of everything and it, it acts differently, it, re, it responds differently, it does these things. And so we have to pivot and change rules and change policies and change. And I think we just, the best thing that we can do moving forward as just civilians, as sports fans, as athletes, as coaches, the best thing we can do is be adaptable and expect mm -hmm. that you will have to pivot in a direction you may not like for some time because it, it, I think it's going to happen until, yeah, until I, I don't know when the uh, until is because again, like I said, flu is still around. Flu's been around for how long, you know? So, yeah. It's a, it's a virus. Viruses just stay around unless you reach a 90, 95% uh, immunity rate. You are the first person of all the platforms that I watch news-wise, sports-wise, wherever, that I've heard say that. Be adaptable. And that might be the best advice I've heard. Yeah. I think I mean, that's think about the best it. advice I've heard. Yeah. 
how yeah. we invite how, when this first broke in December, January, February, how we responded was different than how we did in July. And then July right. was different than how it was in October. And then right. we got a vaccine that we were different. And now we're starting to second guess, right? But I can tell you, no matter what, people want this to end, but people don't want to go back inside. They don't want to shut down. They don't want to shut that down, but they don't want to be cooped up like we were. I mean, it was like apocalyptic at one point, right? <laughs> so you know, people, people don't want to do that. And so we have to adapt and say, you know, what's feasible, what's realistic. And I think policymakers are going to have to start saying, okay, what's, what's realistic versus all or nothing, you know, again, liability, you know, taken into consideration, but I don't know. See, I, I think it's only fair that Danny gets the first shout out tonight because somebody dropped this much information on you. Let the man have the first. Can we let him have the first shout? We we know the The guest should always have the first shout out anyway. Yeah. So (laughs) anybody you would like to shout out tonight, uh, or uh, of your favorite team or your favorite person or whoever, just you You know what you earn that tonight, brother. (laughs) I'm a I'm a shout out all of the athletic trainers that work day in and day out for their sports teams. Yeah. And never get acknowledged. That so is a great shout out. shout out. That's there a great shout out. out. That's a great shout out. Great shout out. All right, Mr. Ward, uh, how would you like to shout? I mean, humble. I mean, shout. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there it is. There it is. Okay. This is my man's, uh, my coach, one of my coaches from college, uh, Coach Mark Rick. He has a new book out called Make the Call. And um, I have the the, the, the call is called Game Day Wisdom for Life's Defining Moments. And so uh, I haven't read it yet, of course. I just got it today. But I'm grateful uh, that I get an opportunity to, to, opportunity to be on the same stage as him on next Monday at an FCA event. Uh, but he's going to have some health challenges. Uh, he announced... Um, I guess it's been a, a few weeks ago. And, of course, we have Coach Bowden, who, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, you know, declining. His health is declining, so we like to lift him and his uh, family up. Uh, Coach Bowden, you know, he's already made it clear that when his time comes to, to move on to the next life, he's ready. And the impact that he's made on a lot of uh, the people that, not just student-athletes, but the coaches and all the people he's had an effect on uh, doing his FCA and all his different ministry opportunities. Uh, his time here on earth was well spent and he's let, he made a, a big impact on a lot of people. So I'm grateful for him. Um, and I'm definitely looking forward to the Seminoles getting back on the uh, football field here in a couple and next week uh, so that we can get on the right track. September fifth or whenever that we play Notre Dame. Yes. So so for the the coach Bowden, we echo those sentiments and mm-hmm. we also send our thoughts and prayers. But for the Mark Rick though, that- <laughs> and that was a Charlie Ward humble flex.
No question about it. We can't, we can't, we can't let you slide. That we went way too long without one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought we were gonna make it. I was like, we gonna be. I think this might be a little free day. true, Charlie. You asked for a shout out. I did. I did. Shout out. Well, Charlie, listen, one of the reasons I asked for a shout-out is so I can use the Humble Flex button. It's okay. it, is pre- it is pretty much an alley-oop. <laughs> <laughs> We're fine. We're fine. We're fine. Kendrick, you got a shout-out for anybody? Yeah, I'm a shout-out to Lexington Lexington native Lee Kiefer. She's the uh, first American to win gold and mm. fencing in individual yeah. foils. And she's from Lexington, Kentucky. So shout-out to her. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Charlie. Well, well my shout-out is to the guy – that if you're watching this on the screen, he's to my right. Because I am very thankful to him for coming on and really just, man, just laying it all out in a way that we really needed to hear it tonight. I think the information was incredibly valuable. Yeah. Uh, you cleared up – in fact, you cleared up a lot of things for me as far as a thought process toward all of this. And I'm going to kind of approach mentally some things differently just based on what you said tonight. But the number one thing I'm taking from this conversation is the last thing you said, which is be adaptable. Because yeah. we, we're all in this together. So we got to yeah. not – we may not like a lot of the things that's going down. It may be frustrating to see it and, and, and be a part of it. But, man, it's where we are. Yep. So yeah. we got to roll with it. We got to roll with it. So um, – and Charlie's a very adaptable person, although he will not budge on wanting this shot clock. And I get it. I was about to say, through all of that, Danny, how you feel about shot clocks in high school basketball? <laughs> <laughs> I know you got I, I, listen, I, they put me on a spot on this, but you know what? Bring <laughs> it. Bring it. I have worked enough high school basketball games in my day. <laughs> now, now, when you got some, some talented teams, okay, it's a great game. But when you got two, you know, 1A, 2A school teams, it's like watching. Man, you sat through a lot of that. Yeah, you know, at halftime, <laughs> half the score is like ten to seven. You're like, oh, right. and cool. little, truth be told, some of us coaches be back in the corner, like, hey, do we got to run the clock yet? Can we get a running clock? Can we get a running clock? So, <laughs> so Charlie, I'm with you. Bring in the shot clock. Bring the shot clock. Bring in the shot clock. That's it. That's it. Yes. We need a shot clock in high school basketball. Charlie's gonna figure this thing out. He's gonna make it national at some point. I think he's, he's close to where he's going. Well, he's got he's got one vote in the ballot box right now, so I'm with <laughs> Awesome, awesome. Well, listen, that is our Hall of Famer, uh, Kendrick Haskins, Fern Creek Hall of Famer, our Heisman Trophy winner, the only Heisman Trophy winner we have right now until all the paperwork clears. Uh, and that is professional. Did I get it right? Professional. Yeah. Legendary athletic trainer and soon to be Dr. Danny Cobble. Uh, and I'm just Lloyd Spence, but I appreciate being here with these great men. Uh, and again, we will be back next week with Believe in the ACC. Until then, we're out this piece. All right, you've been listening to Believe in the ACC with Charlie Ward, Lloyd Spence, and Kendrick Haskins. Please like, follow, subscribe, and share from the Noisemakers page on Facebook and on YouTube. And you can also listen to us on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, and wherever podcasts can be heard. And join us next time. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.